This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Friedman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. Project, welcome back to this episode of the training series. I guess that's what we're going to call it, Thursday training series. This week, we are going to talk about shoulders, shoulder strength, but not just shoulder strength, shoulder mobility as well. I feel like every shoulder program that you look at on the internet is just, you know, for rear delt raises, side delt raises, for just multiple thousands of reps with military press. We are far more than that one-dimensional podcast. So we're going we're gonna to explore everything that the shoulder does, different ways that you can train it, uh, and all that good stuff for not only strength, but mobility as well. Uh, before we get into it, of course, um, this is the last chance that you will get this month to get a discount on Project Body. So if you like all the stuff we're talking about today, a lot of the program that we do in Project Body is focused on this specific type of stuff. So you can get a, dis- a discount on the eight-week program of Project Body if you go to mymuscleproject.com slash body. So make sure you check out that program. It's our most popular program. Uh, so it's our best-selling, most popular program. And yeah, you guys can get the eight-week version and there's obviously more progressions, more variation, more versions beyond that as well. If you love it, you can uh, keep going like most people have. You know what I think? I find that when I'm programming for myself, shoulders of all areas, and I know there's heaps of shoulders in Project Body, is the hardest, like the the one I get the most benefit following someone else's program because okay. there's the most to it. There's the most variation mm-hmm. that you need to put into the program. When I'm lazy, I just stick with the exercise that I like every yeah. single time. I feel like it hurts me the most. Can't get lazy on shoulders. Uh, so yeah, again, check it out. com slash body. And then of course, we're also sponsored by the best blue light blocking glasses in the world. If you guys, uh, if you guys are struggling to keep your eyes open, if you're tired, if uh, we're going in front of screens in the morning fatigues you during the middle of the day, fatigues you, or you're wide awake at night lying in bed on your phone or watching TV in bed, you need to protect your eyes with modern light, uh, light blocking technology. So you go to blueblocks.com. Oh, actually, no, you go to the mymuscleproject.com slash blueblocks. So B-L-U-B-L-O-X. So our website slash blueblocks. And we've got our deal on there for you, the code and the 15% discount if you guys want to pick up any of those glasses from any of the range. Uh, best advanced, most advanced blue light blocking technology in the world. And then, of course, as well, we put good stuff in our body also, not just on our body, and that is True Protein, the best supplements in the world. I'll give you a recommendation. Just did this for a client. If you haven't had it before, just get the sample pack. Mm. Get, I think they have like, it's like six or seven flavors in the sample pack. Yeah, maybe and, more. Maybe yeah, like, I think it's more now. Yeah, like 10, yeah, 10 one-shot samples. Yeah, Because uh, you know, not everyone's like me and just likes chocolate. And then you just get that and then you just choose the one you like. Because mm. there's nothing worse than getting a kilo of a protein you don't like. It's very true. And yeah, everyone that we've given the protein to, a lot of people have been asking us recently what supplements we take when we tell them, hey, it's the only protein we've taken for the last six years. So True Protein, um, all the flavors are there, the WPR90. Again, our code is at themindmuscleproject.com slash True Protein. So T-R-U-E, Protein. Uh, that's one word. All right, so make sure you check it out there. Cool. All right, so before we jump into this episode uh, and go into all the details of the training, first I want to talk about the anatomy of the shoulder. I think it always helps, even if you're just a recreational lifter, to understand how the shoulder works and what it does, just to give you a deeper understanding of, I guess, what it can do, what it's capable of doing, uh, and help you to explore maybe the need for different exercises, which Maybe if you think the shoulder only does a couple of things, you're like, well, why would I train it that way? Because that's not shoulders, you know? People don't think the snatch is shoulders, but there's a lot of shoulders in the snatch. So You can get hurt if you don't use your shoulders. <laughs> very hurt. So your shoulders are the most mobile joint in the entire body. So it is a ball and socket joint, just like your hip, 
but unlike the hip, there's obviously the, the structures that are attached to the shoulder are a lot more free. It's not as bound up by giant glute muscles mm. and hip flexors and you know a spine and all this sort of stuff. So it can move a little bit more freely than a hip. Obviously, hips can be super mobile as well, but generally you can get much more mobility through your shoulders in general. There are obviously exceptions yeah. to the rule um, than you can through your hips. But because they are super flexible, um, super capable joints, they also lock up very quickly. So you'll notice that some, some of people's tightest body parts are their hips and their shoulders. So with that, there comes a lot of care. So thinking about the anatomy of the shoulder, it's a ball and socket, like I said. So yeah, basically, it's a little bit different to the hip, uh, whereas the hip, the socket can be quite deep, and therefore, it's going to restrict um, how much or how much depth you can get in your hips and how much the... Uh, the femur, which is the thigh bone, can move. The shoulder sits way out of the, the socket. It's a very shallow socket. It just kind of sits really lightly um, in the joint. And therefore, as a result, you can move your shoulder a lot more. Whereas some people genetically are just way more bound up at the hip. And that's just like an anatomical thing. Whereas at the shoulder is not really the case with anyone. So you can get heaps of mobility through your shoulder. So that's just one thing to know. And obviously, there's heaps and heaps of muscles that support the shoulder because it is... It's basically sitting almost off the body in many ways. So uh, building up some really strong mobile shoulders is just like really important for your shoulder health ongoing. And if you're only really like one-dimensional with your shoulder, like military press, rear delt raises, you miss heaps of what the shoulder can do. Um, so that's really how we want to think about the training when attacking the shoulder because it's going to allow us to, I guess, try a lot more methods and get a lot better results. Because I know for a lot of guys, maybe not for girls as much, but for guys, having big shoulders is like, like one of the most desirable potty parts, you know, because it really sets the shape, like the uh, the uh, the outline of your body almost. So having that wide shoulder and having those narrow waist, like that's a desirable, that's the desired effect, right? You want that shit popping. Yeah. So that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to get there. Um, so it's the most desirable thing. So first thing that um, to consider when training shoulders that uh, we obviously had never done until CrossFit was Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, I think it's a huge one, and it's a huge one that first gives you the realization that maybe your shoulders are not as strong as you thought. You're like, yeah, bro, like 95 pounds, nothing, right? I can mm. throw that all day. But then you get into Olympic weightlifting, and you need to have strong shoulders and extremely mobile shoulders, particularly in shoulder flexion, so like directly over your head, mm. which may not have been an area that you trained regularly in the gym, uh, and they have to be super stable in that area and for long periods of time, you know, longer than you've done in the past because you're now holding weights above your head as well. So I think more for more than anyone, it's just like a, an awakening when you first try those movements. Mm. I'd say um, if you're in my position where you actually had the prerequisite mobility for um, Olympic weightlifting, but you didn't have the strength, mm. the amount of stability that was required to do an overhead squat, and I think I loaded up in the first session 50 kilos, which for me at the time, even 50 kilo front squat was challenging for me. So I tried a 50 kilo overhead squat. I, know, I remember feeling like I was fighting for my life, like... Like the survival of my life, not dropping it on my neck and dying. The delts the next day, I'll never forget this. My delts, it is like I did a thousand uh, rear delt raises. My delts were so, so sore the next day, but they weren't doing a typical, you know, side raise contraction. Yeah. They were just stabilizing. They weren't doing, they were, they were literally just an isometric contraction to stabilize the bar. And they were just destroyed, absolutely destroyed. Well, true, like in weightlifting, if you do it right, there is no pressing. Yeah, you're only holding weights overhead. Yeah. You're just catching weights overhead, and there's no, ideally, no elbow bend, right? Yeah. So it's only the top position, and you obviously you can see how well developed their shoulders are. Not, I'm not saying that's all they do, but I'm saying obviously you need that 
to be able to complete the movements. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't say, I'm not going to say snatch and clean and jerk is for everyone, uh, but the variations of the movements, like behind the neck presses, wide grips, even just like overhead holds with the barbell, like quarter overhead squats, just what some variations that you can manage that are different to what you normally do, kind of split jerks, push jerks, that sort of stuff, allows your shoulders to do something that's different. You know, especially if you've never used your legs for an overhead movement before. Mm you can get a lot, like you can support a lot more weight overhead, but obviously your press limits it. So as soon as you start learning push press and push jerk, you start teaching your shoulder to support 100 kilos overhead. You never strict press 100 exactly. kilos, but now you can do multiple reps with it because you're using your legs. But that, even though it's a lot of legs to drive it overhead, it's shoulders to stabilize it there. That really helps to you know, develop the shoulders. Yeah, my shoulders grew so much, I think, doing CrossFit, mostly from just having the confidence to have heavier weights overhead. Yeah. It was exactly before, right? You'd be just limited by the exercises you did. you never really go more than 50, 60 kilos. Yeah. Overhead. All of a sudden, you're going like more than double that frequently mm. over your head and you start to build confidence, you know, and then, yeah, all of a sudden, your shoulders start to grow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so moving on from Olympic weightlifting, one of the other variations that you and I have used over the years um, and I guess more recently then when we started CrossFit was doing overhead work uh, strongman style. So the first and the main exercise that we did was overhead yoke carries. Now this one isn't, I hesitated putting this in there because even in our biggest gym, it wasn't even the, the most well set up gym to do it. So people listening to this, you may not have a good setup to do this, but doing an overhead yoke carry where you set the the bar up nice and high and you kind of, I guess, split jerk your way underneath it and stand it up and you walk with the yoke overhead, you're getting serious, serious shoulder gains there. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy and you feel it like your upper back. It's crazy. It's absolutely on fire and so, so brutally sore the next day. Yeah. Um, it's not easy. It's hard fought gains doing the exercise. A good variation you can do, I have done before, is just setting up a fat bar in the pins um, and then, you know, maybe it's like a bit higher than head height and then you get into like a split jerk position with your arms straight and then you stand the weight up and you can hold, you can't walk with it, but you can hold it in a rack. So that is like one right. way you can kind of set it up in the gym. Um, but if you have access to it, it's sick. And if you can't do that, I would even strip it back and just do like dumbbell overhead walks. Mm. Any weighted overhead walks that are difficult, it's a hard position to get in. I think kettlebell is probably the easiest because the center of the weight rests back, uh, kind of pulls your shoulder into the overhead position. But yeah, if you really want to challenge yourself, some heavy dumbbell overhead walks, one arm or two challenging. Arm. Yeah, one arm is a little bit easier. Mm. Two arm is exponentially harder yes. than one arm. Uh, but yeah, these these heavy overhead walks, it's just the stability that's required from your shoulder. Obviously, we're just talking about in Olympic weightlifting, how much they're involved in stabilizing. Walking with heavy weight overhead, trying to just push up, stabilize, hold position, such a good exercise for the shoulders. Okay. So underrated. Most, you know, the people you see in the gym, the average person you see in the gym, they spend like a millisecond overhead, right? They oh. press up. It's like less. Barely. It's, like, it's like the shortest molecule of time yeah. is how long the weight is overhead for. They press it. As soon as it gets near lockout, they're bringing the weight back down yeah. again, right? So you obviously want to do what the average person who sucks is not doing in the gym, right? And that's spending the opposite of that, which is tons of time overhead. And mm. you're, just, you're super strong there. You're all day there. If you're resting, like when you do a press and you rest in the overhead position, you have strong shoulders. Yes. Yeah, if you have to rest on, on your shoulders, you do not have a strong overhead position. If you can open your shoulders up, stabilize, hold, breathe, and actually feel like you're resting with weight overhead, you you have, I I know you have strong shoulders. Mm. Yeah. And, well, and just well-rounded well and well-developed shoulders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so next one is obviously one that I we could have started with, but I feel like the other two need to come first, but this is handstand push-up progressions. Now, handstand push-ups, probably one of the most difficult um, upper body strength exercises 
Um, if you were to do it, I guess the CrossFit style is a little bit easier, but if you were to do it in like almost the gymnastics pure, purest form, which is like a neutral spine, facing the wall, tripod position, only the toes on the wall versus like the broken back arching, mm. disgusting, bounce your fucking vertebrae, neck vertebrae off the floor CrossFit version. But regardless, either way, they're both extremely difficult and they build a lot of shoulder strength. The reason I gravitated more towards a gymnastics one at the end, which is a neutral spine position, facing the wall and pressing out of a tripod position, not from a dead stop, not from a bounce, was because my neck started to cause me lots of issues. But my neck didn't hurt because I was... My neck didn't hurt because I was bouncing on the floor. My neck hurt because when I was going through the press, I had created a compensation pattern where whatever was happening during that handstand push-up and that arching position muscles were pulling hard on my neck so i wouldn't feel it at the time but later when i cooled down there was so much pulling on my on my neck with just the weird position i'd put myself in that it started to cause me headaches it started to cause me like nerve issues and all sorts of stuff that was super uncomfortable but when i changed up the position i learned the neutral spine obviously it's a lot harder it felt like i was learning how to then push-ups again and i built from that tripod base position and as you press you keep your ribs locked down it's much harder. Only ever got to one rep, but never had neck issues after that. Yeah, that's actually my favorite one as well, is the wall-facing handstand push-ups. Yeah. Come down into a tripod, then you press all the way straight back up. And the good thing about handstand push-ups is it's you know, so many ways you can do it. You can add like deficits to it. You can do high reps, you can do low reps. There's like a bunch of ways. We've even done band-resisted ones, Yeah. Um, which is challenge, <laughs> very challenging to get into. <laughs> um, but there's all sorts. You can even, you know, you go up, you can do them on the rings, which is actually the most similar to doing the wall-facing one mm. as well, um, if you ever tackle those. Um, did you ever do those? Yep, we did them as well. How but many could you do? You they're, not, they're not that much harder. They're actually not that much harder. Because you're wrapping your legs around I would, the strap. Uh, yeah, exactly. I could definitely not do them without my feet around the strap, but you wrap your feet around the strap. So, in some ways, it's like, yeah, it's not really hard. The only reason it's slightly harder is because you go deeper. You know you're a CrossFit frother when you watch the CrossFit games and you watch them flailing on the rings trying to do like handstand push-ups like five meters off the ground mm. with a crash mat and like failing and going full dolphin style like super arch scorpion back and you're like come on <laughs> get there get one more most people watch that and go let me take a photo of this because i want to turn it into a meme i want to make fun of my friend that does cross well more that you that you see that you're like man this guy looks like he's gonna get injured i'm gonna go try this out <laughs> just put, put what i did um, and, but but they're all good and, and they, they build each other really strong and why I love hands up push up progressions the most is like it just goes with you everywhere yeah you know just I like that's like the first thing I take when I'm on holidays right yeah. as you can go you take it anywhere you literally need a wall uh, if you're super advanced you don't even need that uh, and it's a mad shoulder builder yeah I um in the second lockdown when Ev had COVID there was a lot of handstand push ups mm. yeah a lot and, of handstands a lot of handstand push ups and I found the best way to build these up were uh, volume, like volume of low rep, fast reps, like the slow grinding reps, I felt like never did me a good service, right? Yeah. Get out of position and maybe my neck would be sore, my head would be sore, but just getting like tons of good reps in, but it's like five on the minute, three on the minute, whatever it is for like minutes and minutes and minutes and just banking mm. tons of volume in them, like all of a sudden they'd get better. One of the, um, one, so, because I was awful at trick handstand push-ups, so as soon as they became introduced as a staple in the cross thing, it was like my main focus. Mm. I remember, I mean, you watched me do them some form of it three or four times a week. Mm. And I never really increased the maximum amount of handstand push-ups. Maybe by like five reps. So I went from like 10 to 15, mm. which isn't that much from like two years of straight focus yeah. on them. But the first five reps, I got really good at being able to do fast, efficient and clean. And I could 
cycle them a lot quicker. Like the recovery time in between those five reps was a lot faster. And obviously my shoulders grew and my strength increased, even my weight increased, but the handstand push-ups went up. But yeah, what I noticed from doing the program was, yeah, obviously the shoulders got stronger, but there was that initial five reps that I could keep doing over and over and over again. But that back end when the form gets really ugly and slow, never really improved that much. But didn't need to. Mm. The sport wasn't being tested on that. You need the fast ones. Yeah. And we're always doing team comps, so it didn't matter too much. Um, Okay. So, I mean, really the tail end of that conversation with handstands is obviously learning the handstand itself. The only caveat I will add to that is there are a lot of people that learn handstands and get good at handstands that don't really have huge, massively strong shoulders. I think if you did a lot more handstand push-ups, you would get stronger shoulders. Uh, There's just an element of, for whatever reason, I don't know how it applies, but seen a lot of people that are really strong in the handstand position and have really good handstands, but by most tests of shoulder strength, have really weak shoulders. Um, obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's triceps as well. There's traps that go into it. There's like core stable. There's all these different elements that go into it. But I wouldn't go, oh, how do I big big shoulders? And go, all right, learn handstand. That's not <laughs> that's not what I would... I think the handstand is a great movement and yeah. I think it's great for mobility and position. But if you are focusing on getting stronger and getting a bit bigger through the shoulders, mm-hmm. it's not my first go-to. But it is really good to keep you honest for positions. But I feel like the handstand push-up really incorporates all of that, mm-hmm. which is why I wrote that instead. Um, okay, cool. Next one is ring work. Yeah, I mean, this is without a doubt the most variable probably piece of equipment you can have in a gym, right? Because there's so many different ways you can hit shoulders mm. with something like a set of rings if you're strong. That's the caveat. If you're not very strong, yeah. there's very, very few ways <laughs> outside of a ring row <laughs> that you can hit your shoulders. But if you are strong, I mean, they're incredibly variable. Um, and that's probably why it's so good for the shoulders because there's so many different ways with one piece of equipment you can hit your shoulders. And if you haven't done them before, you have tried them, what you'll find out is that if you've never used them before, you jump on, regardless of if you're very strong when you first get on them, it looks like you're in like the middle of a tornado storm. <laughs> like you're shaking so much on the rings. Yes, yeah, uh, strong wind. And actually, it's, it's actually phenomenal how quickly that improves mm. in, in nearly every client. But um, there's also, yeah, just like some some motor learning that goes on when you first get on an, insta- uh, sorry, an unstable surface, which yeah. you're probably not used to when you're training shoulders. Yeah, it goes away pretty quick once you get comfortable on the rings. But yeah, that's exactly it. That shaking that is going on when you first get on the rings is what your shoulders learn to develop and get strong and build up. So obviously overcoming that, just in that in itself, that that new dynamic that's introduced in that movement is shoulder strength you didn't have mm. before. Um, the other thing is, yeah, like I said, you can add variations. You can add archer rows, you can add archer push-ups, um, you can add... That's like one ring going out to the side and yeah. one staying you know, close yeah. to your core. Exactly. You can do like all these sorts of... Um, skin the cats and all these different gymnastics movements. It's a lot of diversity on the rings, but I think the one thing it gives you that's unique to everything else is it gives you that stabilization element you didn't have before and it gives you that mobility element mm. that you didn't have before as well. So definitely worth incorporating some rings training. You just have to do it properly. I wouldn't do it the cross way, which is like flail around and learn a muscle up. Um, get good at the strict gymnastics skills first. The archer rows, uh, yeah, the ring rows, the hinge rows, the mm. ring dips, um, strict muscle yeah, transitions. Yeah, the, the vegetables, all the basics. Yeah, that's where you get the real benefit for your shoulders. Um, okay, cool. So, um, obviously, some of the more classic bodybuilding work that we've got in here, we've got dumbbell and cable isolation work. A lot of it is just variations and different angles. So, you wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be right to not include these, obviously, in the program and how we train our shoulders. Uh, but there's, there can be a better way to do it than how most people do it. 
Um, one of the ways that I found is pretty effective as well is a lot of stuff that Eugene Tio puts out. He focuses a lot on shoulders. He's got a really good like a Spider-Man lunge uh, with a plate rotation that's really good for rear delts. He's got these really heavy dumbbell side raises where you only kind of raise the dumbbell, I don't know, maybe like 30 degrees off your body, so not far, and you do like 50 reps. Mm. I find they're super effective. Uh, just some different variations on, on delts rather than just the 8 to 12 reps with 10 kilos each hand. Um, super, super effective stuff. Yeah, I mean, what I've noticed is that shoulders, there's so much more variety. I think you do a lot better with them when you give them a lot of variety. Yeah. You know, whereas for your hips, a lot of people can stick to not many exercises for their legs and get super strong and well-rounded legs, right? They're doing like basic squats, some single leg work and, and you know, some hamstring work. But with shoulders, there is so much variation. And often, you know, I'll find like, oh man, I can't really feel this muscle and I'll have to go and try different cables or bands until I feel the muscle, yeah. right? The right angle, which is like different for everybody because yeah. everyone's got different shoulders. So I really think for most people, unless you come into this with incredibly well-developed shoulders, like you can't just use a limited amount of exercises. Like ideally, you need to use a bunch uh, to avoid injuries and get really well-rounded shoulders. And that's why like you just have to have some cables and bands and dumbbells to hit them in all areas. Yeah. I guess with what you're, what I just sort of realized with this category as well is all the ones I mentioned before are more performance-based movements where you're really thinking about the weight you can move and the way you're executing the movement. And it's not to say that that's not the focus here, but I, what you are really doing with a dumbbell or a cable isolation work is going, I want to hit front delts. Yes. I want to hit mid delts. I want to hit side delts. That keeps delts. you obviously looking good, but also just healthy. Yep. Uh, I remember that stat you shared. I don't know the exact numbers, but they were comparing how developed somebody's front delt was in a trained person to an untrained person. Oh, yeah. And it was like a trained person. Do you remember the exact stats? No, I don't. But it's like, you know, it a, a lot. A, yeah, a well-trained person has much more developed, uh, someone that goes to the gym like has 90 much more developed, more, more front, front delt, delt mass, has like 60% more side delt mass, and only has like 15, 20% more rear delt yeah. mass. So what's happening there is like the average person that goes to the gym is just building way bigger front delts than the, the average person on the street. <laughs> way bigger. Much bigger side delts and barely bigger yeah. So they've actually got, you know, worse shoulders from a balance point of view than the than maybe before they started training. Yeah. yeah they've actually ruined the balance of their physique and, and strength in that way. So that's why, you know, maybe they're not doing enough of the right dumbbell and cable isolation work. Which is why I think all the stuff we've mentioned before this is more important. Those are the things that you want to add in first. And those are the core of the program. The dumbbell and the cable isolation stuff comes in after, mm. I think. Um, okay. Last thing I'll add, and this is more of a general comment rather than anything specific, but if you look at some of the best or the biggest shoulders in the world, uh, you get it from CrossFitters and you get it actually also from gymnasts. Now, the reason is because in these two sports, they do a lot of volume and a lot of frequency through their shoulders. Um, that's definitely one thing I noticed from doing CrossFit. It wasn't even like focusing on building the shoulders up, but just because every day you would do something for the shoulders. You'd do a gymnastic session or you do a weightlifting session, you know, or you do a bodybuilding you, session. You would find out because when you got your first shoulder injury, you'd look at your week and go, I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. That's how you I can't do a single day. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the wad has thrusters in it. The yeah. wad has toes to bar in it. Like there was always shoulders. So it's that frequency and it's just like gymnasts, right? They do shoulders every single session that frequency of hitting your shoulders because the bodybuilding way of hitting shoulders is like, cool, once a week mm. and to failure every single set. That is far less effective than lots of variety, lots of different Simply exercises. For the average person, yeah. you know, clean average person. High, high frequency. You get a, just a much well-rounded, much more mobile shoulder, much stronger shoulder. So definitely something to consider with how the program is laid out in more of a general sense and how you're approaching shoulders in your training. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a good summary of all of it. We'll go back to it again. So obviously, understand the anatomy, which is the type of joint, 
Uh, the shoulder is, has the most range of motion possible out of any other joint in your body. Um, Olympic weightlifting is extremely good. The snatch and cleaning jerk and their variations definitely allowing you to get the most weight overhead and focus really primarily on isolation. Um, strongman overhead carries, um, handstand push-up progressions and handstands, uh, ring work and then dumbbell and cable isolation work. And then last thing to consider is the overall volume and frequency of how exercises are programmed. Now, if you've heard all this stuff and you don't like thinking about all this and how you're going to program it for yourself and it just seems like a massive headache, we did it all for you. We made it super affordable as well. So you guys can get this. It's like $35 or something ridiculously cheap if you, for our eight-week program. Um, so you can go to themindmuscleproject.com slash body. themindmuscleproject.com slash body for that discount. But it's only till the end of Jan. So if you're listening to this now and you want a discount on that eight-week program, right now is the moment that you need to decide to join up. Okay. That's it. That's it for the training series for this Thursday, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll speak to you all next week. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themindmuscleproject.com forward slash the after show. And if you ask questions, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.